0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're so glad you've joined us for this week's podcast. We're currently in a series entitled, Elijah. From the Carith Ravine to the top of Mount Carmel, Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through First Kings as we discover some amazing truths associated with the prophet Elijah. So grab your pen and paper, because here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. How we doing today, church? You guys doing good? Man, that was an incredible worship set. Amen? Amen. Love those three songs put together. I love our worship leaders and artists and productions team. Can we just honor them? What do you say? We haven't done that in a while. Love those guys. Love those guys. Love them. Why don't you keep it going and let's welcome all of our campuses. I'm talking about Garner campus, Sanford campus, Columbia campus, North Raleigh campus, Internet campus, Coffeehouse campus. Oh, Lord, what am I forgetting? Uh, NCCIW campus. And uh, last but not least, the Kenya campus. Would you explode and just welcome them all? Welcome them all. So glad you're here. So, so glad. Man, I was on the internet campus a few weeks ago. I don't know why I just didn't get enough from being in here. I went on that Sunday night and the chat was just incredible. People were worshiping, they were praying, people were tithing online. I mean, the internet campus is awesome and that's just a reminder to you, listen, if you are ever out or sick or traveling, don't forget the internet campus. God is doing great things there. Hey, um, real, real quickly before we get in, a couple of things of housekeeping. Number one, The baptism celebration that we were going to have today at 2 o'clock. Instead, we're going to meet out there and build an ark. I mean, who is freaking sick and tired of the rain on the weekends, man? And I normally don't complain about things like that, but it is getting old. Um, But listen in. Listen in. Uh, The baptism celebration today that was scheduled for 2 p.m. is now next Sunday at 2 p.m. And so here's the deal. Because we had all kinds of activities, man. We had water slides and water games for kids and loco pops and snow cones and music and food. And I mean, it was just going to be a big party And even if it's not raining at 2 o'clock, the weather is just not conducive. I mean, it feels like the fall, right? And so I, I trust that by faith it will be hot next weekend. But anyway, um, next Sunday is the baptism celebration. And I think that's pretty cool because that gives some of you a chance to go ahead and uh, jump into the waters of baptism. You were a little on the fence, and that'll give you another chance to do that. Secondly, the free copies of all the messages the last two weeks, if you missed either of those Sundays, how about that? Did you enjoy that series by, by... Oh, man. Robert Morris, The Blessed Life. Um, Those are free in the Resource Center if you missed last Sunday, so so go get that. And then the third and final announcement, and we're going to jump right in. I need to get everybody's attention right here, right now. Everybody, look at me. Everybody, reach into the chair pocket in front of you, pull out the Connect card. The Connect card. And I want to ask, encourage, plead, and beg you to fill out this Connect card today. So I need to speak to some dudes in the house. Dude, the dude who's sitting there going, man, I don't fill stuff out. (laughs) Like you and me, man, I'm the same way. When I go places, I'm not filling out anything. But this is your church home. So fill it out, because here's why this is so, 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 so important. Two reasons. Number one, we're updating our software. We're making sure we have everybody's accurate contact information and email addresses. But here is the next most important reason. We are about to do something that we have not done in a decade. We are going to send you a survey via email. Because we want to know how we're doing as a church, you can help us. Let us know how we're doing in our ministry departments. Let us know how we're serving you. Let us know how we're doing. I mean, it's going to be a survey that's going to take you about two to three minutes. I got a favor for you, like you, even you, dude, dude who doesn't do surveys, (laughs) because I'm the dude who doesn't like surveys, right? Will you do this for the church? Thank you. We need that information because this is so that we can serve you better and you can share what's blessing you, what is not blessing you. So everybody take out that Connect card. Go ahead and grab that pen. I, it's, it's amazing talking to you now. I love it because all your heads are down. It's pretty cool. That's great. Don't lift them up. Keep them down. And on the, on the part that says my contact information, fill out all of that information. If you're a guest, don't worry. I'm not going to come busting up at your door and, 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 and just surprise you with a visit. I don't roll like that, Okay? We want everybody to fill this out. I really appreciate all the engagement I see right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We will be sending out a video to you via email from me. And then it will be a survey that you click on. You fill out. It will literally take you two to three minutes. We have not done a survey in this church in, like I said, a decade. So it is time. It will help us moving into the fall. Cool? Thank you. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, while you're doing that, let's pray. And you're like, well, can I keep filling this out while you pray? Yeah. It's okay. We can, we can do two things at one time, right? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, speak to us today. We make ourselves available to you. We open up your word. We give you our hearts, our minds. I give you my lips, Lord God. Would you speak today? For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. And the people of God said together, Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them to 1 Kings. And you're like, well, I'm not finished filling out the connect card. I know, but you'll have a little time later. Or you can keep right on doing it. I don't mind if you keep doing it right now. 1 Kings 17. The next three weeks we are going to spend in 1 Kings 17 and 18, we are starting a three-part series on Elijah. On who? Elijah. Okay? Elijah was one bad dude in the Bible. And we're going to go to school on Elijah. We're going to see how God used Elijah to take a stand and bless the people of Israel, the people of God, and bless God's movement. Let me just frame the whole series in some contextual information that I think you will find very, very helpful. Number one, when Elijah lived, the northern kingdom of Israel had experienced 19 consecutive evil kings. Come on now, church. We get all upset if we get a bad president for four years. <laughs> and, and, and don't think I'm going and getting all political. It could have been Bush or it could have been Obama. Okay? Whatever you think. But 19 consecutive kings were bad, evil kings in the day of Elijah. In the time of Elijah, there was a very evil king by the name of Ahab. Ahab. By the name of what? Ahab. He was married to a wicked woman by the name of? Jezebel. Jezebel. Way to go, you biblical scholars. Some say she was the most wicked woman who had ever lived. And under their reign, the Bible says Ahab did more evil in the eyes of God than any other evil king before him. Now, during these days, idolatry was at an all-time high. You will see next week as we study 1 Kings 18 that the idolatry culminated, if you will, with one bad showdown on top of Mount Carmel. It was a contest between the one true God and the God of Baal, the idolatry gods, the sexual gods, the fertile gods. Things had gotten so bad in Elijah's day that they would come into the temple of the Lord and in their sexual sin... Claim that it was worship before God. It is in, yeah, exactly. It is in this context that God taps Elijah on the shoulders and says, I want you to take a stand for me. And that is how God often works. Some of you really need to hear that. God often works, most often works, I dare say, through tapping a man or a woman on the shoulder and saying, I want you to take a stand right where you are and be used by me. God usually doesn't start revolutions through petitions. Hello. God usually doesn't start revolutions through committees. Hello. God taps a person on the shoulder. And says, will you stand up for me? Will you fight for me? And will you follow me, not only in the good times, but in the bad? Somebody's here today. You're a young person. And what God wants to do through you is God wants to send you back into the public school systems to stand up and be a witness for sexual purity in this day and age. Somebody's here today and you're working in a a, a business environment where it is unethical and dishonest and God would tap you on the shoulders and says, I want you to go in and stand for righteousness and integrity. Some of you might be a college student and you have arrived back in town getting ready to go to school and it could be that God wants to tap you on the shoulder so that you go into that environment and take a stand. 1 Kings 17 I'm going to read verses 1 through 9 for you. 1 Kings 17. Here's what the word of the Lord says. Now, Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead. Now, come on, come on. What's the Bible saying? Elijah's introduced, and he's introduced as a man from Tishbite. It's as if I were to say, hey, my name is Benji, and I'm from Sumter, South Carolina. Gives me a chance to say to all my Sumter people, what's up, Sumter? Right? It'd be your hometown. So the way the Bible kind of introduces Elijah is by where he is from. As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here. Turn eastward and hide in the Careth ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook as I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the bread. Come on, let me just point out that God sent meat (laughs) But I digress. God sent meat. Glory to God on high. Amen. Hallelujah. Check it out. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up. Sometime later, what church? The brook, brook dried up. You ever had a brook dry up in your life? Oh, we're going to go there today. Because there had been no rain in the land, then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Powerful, powerful passage of Scripture in the Bible. If you're a note taker, take out that blue sheet, turn it over. You don't want to miss some of these things. Let me just keep framing the passage for you. First of all, we need to understand, what does Elijah mean? Elijah means, it comes from three words. Elijah. Say it with me. Elijah. L-E-L. That stands for Elohim. That stands for God. I. It is the pronoun for I or my Jah, Elijah, it stands for Jehovah. What Elijah literally means is that my God is Jehovah Yahweh. My God is what? Jehovah Yahweh. God starts to move in Elijah's life and God actually does something that maybe you wouldn't expect. and it maybe it's something that you've resisted all your life. God starts to send Elijah into an arena, into an environment of pain and loneliness and brokenness because it is there that God is going to do a great work in Elijah's life so that God can do something through him later. Now, some of you that just, yeah, I went through it so fast, you're going to miss it, so let me slow down a little bit. Some of you desperately want God to do something through you. And what you have never been informed or what you have never embraced is that God wants to do something in you before he does something through you. Come on, church. God wants to do something in you before he can do something through you. I want to use the Kareth Ravine, if you will, as an analogy of the way in which God always does something in you before he does something through you. Another way of putting it would be like this. God will often humble you privately before he will use you publicly. Hello. Hello. And in our culture, no one embraces pain, no one embraces humility, no one embraces uh, brokenness. But what I stop by to tell you today is that if you're going to allow God to do many, many great things through you, you have to learn that many times He will start doing something in you first. And sometimes what He does in you is painful. Sometimes what He does in you is bring about brokenness. In the Carath Ravine, if you're taking notes, God teaches us the value of brokenness. The value of what, church? Brokenness. Write it in. God does something very unique to Elijah. He sends Elijah to a place called the Carath Ravine. Repeat after me Carath Ravine. Again, Carath Ravine. Kereth Ravine. You know what it stands for? It stands for being cut off. Anybody like to be cut off? Heck to the no. It stands for anonymous loneliness. Anybody like that? It's no fun. Elijah, the man of God, who we get to sit back and watch for the next three weeks, stand up and fight as a man of God and be used as a hero of the faith. He first had to go to the Careth Ravine where he was cut off. Where he had to learn to embrace or value brokenness. Some of you, some of us, were the same exact way. You resist the brokenness and I understand that. You resist the trial, and I understand that. But the beauty of the Christian faith is that maturity comes when you start to understand that it is in the brokenness, it is in the valley, it is in the trial, it is in the Careth ravine that God does his most powerful work so that we can then go out and be used by God. Amen. Twenty years ago, I'm sitting in a little restaurant in Manning, South Carolina. If you've ever been on I-95 heading toward Georgia or Georgia or Florida, you see Sumter, which is my hometown, and then you, you see Manning. Manning is about 30 minutes from Sumter. It's where I took my first job as a student pastor. I was a pharmacist major at the University of South Carolina. To be very, very honest with you, I took the job in ministry, A, because they offered it to me after I shared there one night, and B, I took it because I needed extra income to get through pharmacy school. I'm not going to try to dress it up any for you. But I went there and did student ministry for three years, and in the midst of that, God wrecked my world and opened up a calling on my life so that I felt called into full-time ministry. I'm sitting in a restaurant 20 years ago across from my friend, the senior pastor of that church, my first real mentor, unbelievable preacher, Dr. Steve Sugar, and I'm sitting across the table from him and I said, Pastor Steve, I thought I came here just to do student ministry so I could make my way through pharmacy school, but I've actually come to realize that God has a calling on my life for full-time ministry. And Steve smiled a little bit and He said, well, that doesn't really surprise me, but I've got something to to tell you. And he leaned forward across the the table. And I leaned forward across the table. I thought he was about to say something like, oh, God's going to use you. I thought he was going to say something like, people are going to get into heaven because of you. I thought he was going to say, oh, you're going to love the ministry. It's glorious. And he leaned forward, and I leaned forward. And Pastor Steve Sugar said, God will use you. But first, he will break you. Get thee behind me! It was only a few years later that I came here to Durham, North Carolina, went to Duke University, where I stumbled upon this. Quote from the great A. W. Tozer, an amazing 19th century pastor, author, speaker. This is his quote. Look at this. Let this settle in. Watch this. It is doubtful that God can bless a man greatly until he what? Church? Till he's hurt him deeply. It is doubtful that God can bless you greatly until He's hurt you deeply or He's allowed the things that are around you to hurt you. Because it is when you are broken, it is when you are vulnerable, it is when you are humili- hum- humilified, it is when you are in the valley that God then starts to shape you like a potter shapes the clay. And you become useful for the things of God. Oh my Lord, if you're a note taker again, don't miss this. Some of you are in a trial, some of you are in the Kareth ravine right now. You're in the place of pain, you're in the place of loneliness. This is what you need to keep telling yourself in the midst of it all. You need to repeat this over and over and over and over again. Here's the first one. I know that because of God, I am stronger than any trial I will ever face. While we practice it, just say it with me. I know that because of God, I am stronger than any trial. I will ever face. Again, I know that because of God, I am stronger than any trial I will ever face. That's point number one, but watch this. Check this out. Number two, watch this. I know that because of God, this trial will make me stronger for the journey ahead. When not we read that one out loud? See how they work together. Ready, go. I know that because of God, this trial will make me stronger for the journey ahead. The first thing, church, God teaches Elijah that I would pray God would teach you and he would teach me today is to embrace the value of brokenness. Here's the second thing. In the Kareth Ravine, God teaches us the value of total dependence. Of what? Total dependence dependence, brokenness gets Elijah ready for how God wants to use Elijah. But listen to me, the total dependence helps Elijah understand that God was his source of everything. (whistles) Look at verses 4, 5, and 6. Elijah, Elijah will drink from the brook that I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan, And he stayed there and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. God was showing Elijah, if you were going to let me use you, you are going to have to be totally dependent upon me for every single thing. I mean, have you stopped and thought about it? God set up a heavenly catering business for Elijah. Elijah. Just go and pit, and a raven brings him bread and meat, and he drinks from the brook. It's unbelievable. It is total dependence. What was God doing? God was very clearly and very distinctly saying that no matter what and for always, I will be faithful. That's a good place for an amen, church. I will be faithful to you. It doesn't matter if you're in the brokenness, the trial, the pain, the valley. It doesn't matter if you can't even feel the presence of God. He is still faithful. It doesn't matter if the valley is so low that you feel like your prayers never even get above the ceiling. Our God is still faithful. And God, listen to me, can and will meet your needs any way He wants, any time He wants, anyhow He wants. God is never early, God is never late, but God is always on time, church, meeting our needs. Reminds me of a single mom. <laughs> She's a single mom, she lives in this little house, she has a little, little porch patio area where she goes out every morning and she reads the Bible and she sings and she prays and she just loves the Lord Jesus. Well, she happens to live right beside an atheist. And the atheist cannot stand how she gets up in the morning and just whistles the morning away and sings and prays and reads the Bible. He cannot stand it. He gets so hacked off at her. But one month, there was more month than money left, if you know what I mean, for the single mom. And so she's out on the front patio porch area, and she's got a little heavy spirit that morning. And so she's praying, oh, Lord, I still believe you're good. I still trust your provision. I still know that you're going to provide food for us and especially for my children. I'm going to praise you even though I don't know how you're going to do it. And the atheist heard that, and he goes, oh, I got her now. The atheist decides that what he's going to do is he's going to buy groceries for her and he's going to put them on her front patio porch. She's going to praise God, and he's going to be able to show her God is not even real. So she goes off the bed, and he runs to the grocery store, gets a big old bag of groceries, sits them on the front porch. He can't wait for her to wake up the next morning. Sure enough, she wakes up the next morning. She runs out there with her Bible in her hand. She starts singing and praising the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for providing for my family and sending us food. We knew you would. We praise you, Lord. And the atheist jumped out from behind the bushes and said, I got you. You think God brought you those groceries, you fool. When you went to bed last night, I bought those groceries and put them right on your front porch. She paused for a moment. She looked down. She goes, oh, thank you, Lord, for meeting my needs. I knew you would do it. I just didn't know you would use the devil to do it. (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) Ours is the God who can meet our needs anyway. He sees fit. Can I get an amen? amen. That is who God is. In the Careth ravine, hear me out, church. God teaches us the value of brokenness. Secondly, God teaches us the value of total dependence. That is what Elijah had to learn. Elijah had to go and trust. And in doing so, God met his every need. Not his every want. But is every need. Here's the third thing. God requires. Help me out. What is it? Help me out. Unconditional. What is it? Obedience. obedience. God required that Elijah would unconditionally obey the word of the Lord. There's isolated pain. That's brokenness. There's total dependence. And then there's unconditional obedience. First Kings. 17, verses 7 through 9. Did you catch it the first time? Sometime later, the brook did what? Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply your food and right then and there Elijah was faced with a decision will I stay where I am where God is clearly meeting my needs and feeding me every morning and every night or will I leave where I am and go obey God and move somewhere else In my mind, I can hear Elijah just starting to think, Okay, God, where are you? What's the purpose of being here? You gave me water from the brook. You sent a raven to feed me. Why are you going to send me? And the brook dried up, and Elijah had to face decision time. Some of you are sitting here today, and your brook has dried up. And God's leading you to take steps And move in certain directions. The question will be this. Will you unconditionally obey. The spirit of the Lord. Will you unconditionally obey. What you know in your heart. Or what God has spoken in your word. Will you obey God. And follow his direction. Some of you are here. And your friendship brook has dried up. Someone has stabbed you in the back. And you're a little lonely and hurt. And God's leading you to take steps. Will you obey? Some of you are here and your marriage, Brooke, has started to dry up. And it's breaking your heart. Your marriage, which once moved toward intimacy is, is now moving toward isolation. Listen, beloved, marriages are never static. Your marriage is always moving either toward intimacy or isolation or you're dating or whatever the case may be. And that brook is starting to dry up and you're scared and you're worried and you know that God has spoken and God is leading and the question will be, will you and will your spouse take the steps of obedience to allow God to work His miracle? Some of you are here and your vocational brook, you don't know exactly what's going to happen. You know they're starting to restructure and things are changing and you're worried and you're scared and the vocational brook might dry up. Will you take steps of obedience that God leads you to? I could go on and on and on. It's different for all of us. But here's the deal. Some of you are sitting here and the brook is drying up a little bit. And God is leading and God is calling and God is stirring in your spirit. The question becomes, will you obey that? Will you, here's the key word, write it down, oh my Lord, will you trust him? Will you, Elijah had to trust that God would meet him there. Can I just say something to you? One of my maxims in ministry, and I have a lot of maxims that I live by, and the staff, they hear them over and over and over, but they kind of create culture around here. One of my maxims is this where God guides, He provides. Where God guides, He does what? Doesn't that sound so preacher? (laughs) Sounds like something a pastor would say. I'm sorry. It does, I know. But you know what this text reminds us? Where God does not provide, He also guides. So in other words, I believe it in the core of my being. I mean, I stand by it, I live by it. Where God guides, He provides. Amen? I believe that, I believe that, I believe that. But this text reminds us that God also guides by what He does not provide. When your brook starts to dry up, when an area of your life goes through a valley and a trial, listen, if you will have ears of of faith and eyes of faith and tune in to the Spirit of God, God will also guide you by what He is not providing. You just have to be willing to trust Him and step out on faith. Easier said than none. I totally understand. But I can remember 12 years ago. I, I experienced this firsthand. I didn't have the vocabulary for it then. But I experienced God providing. By what he did not provide. Or guiding. By what he did not provide. We were starting this church. Chapel Hill. 12 about 13 years ago actually. I was convinced that God was going to give us the Timberline movie theater to worship in. It was somewhere around November or December. The grand opening was slated for January 27, 2002. I'll never forget it. It was a sunny morning. I'm in the parking lot of the Timberline movie theater on Weaver Dairy Road in Chapel Hill, if you know that area. The person that I'm supposed to meet who was supposed to possibly let us use that facility, did not show. I'm two months out, church, from starting this church. The Spirit of the Lord started to move in my spirit on that parking lot, on that sunny November day, I guess it was, and the Spirit said, isn't there a high school right down the road here? I got in the car and I headed down Weaver Dairy Road, and I stumbled upon... East Chapel Hill High School. Walked in to the principal's office and within about an hour and a half had already signed a contract for this church to launch in East Chapel Hill High School. What did God do? He guided by what he did not provide. Now I had this thought this week. This is pretty cool. When we, when we knocked this wall out, in twenty fifteen, everybody everybody look at that wall. Everybody look over there. Say bye bye wall. Everybody look at this wall? Say bye bye, wall. Now turn your head back toward here and say hello, balcony. When we when we <laughs> when we when we knock that wall out, and we knock that wall out and we fly in this balcony, you know where we're gonna worship for about two months? We're gonna be worshiping at the streets of South Point movie theater. Now check, now, check this out. I thought God was leading us to worship in a theater 12 years ago. What God would act, was actually doing was leading us to worship in a theater in 2015. See how God guides by what he does not provide? See how God is never early? Come on, church. God is never late, church. But God is what? God is always on time. If you believe it, praise the Lord. He is good. He is good, church. He is good. When the brook dries up, what do you do? What do you do? Next week, here's what's cool. Don't miss next Sunday. Next Sunday, I'm going to preach on 1 Kings 18. It is the most epic battle scene in the Old Testament. Elijah is about to whoop up on some rear end and take names. I'm talking, it's bad. I mean, it is a bad passage with a bad man of God. But you know what? The victory that we see in 1 Kings 18 was set up by Elijah's obedience in 1 Kings 17. Hello. Oh, my Lord, if you're a note taker, please don't miss this. Your future victories will be set up by your present obedience. Your future victories, and you all want victories, I want victories. Your relational victories. Your vocational victories. Your physical victories. Hello. Spiritual, you name it. Your victories tomorrow will be set up by your obedience today. And here's the problem. Just like people want God to do something through them, but they won't allow God to do something in them. Come on, come on, come on. In the same way, People want God to give them victories tomorrow, but they're not willing to be obedient today. And humanity, we are so guilty, aren't we, of looking at successful people. Leaders, people who are doing great things with their life. And we look at that and we go, oh, I want that. God, why are you giving that person it? Why are you giving them favor and not blessing me? And what you don't realize is there's a lot of obedience There's a long process that a woman or a man must receive and embrace and embark upon that you then get to see the praise later. I meet with a lot of pastors. And what they want is the praise without the process. Beloved, you don't get the praise without the process. You don't get the victories tomorrow without the obedience today. And Elijah followed the will and the spirit of God and unconditionally obeyed God and it is the one thing that set up the victories that we will read next week. This will change your life today. Because it will set you up for your future and your victories tomorrow. And as I look at Elijah and I think about his life and these three things that we learn from him. This value of brokenness. This dependence. I mean total dependence. Dependence. And this uncontrollable obedience, you know what blows my mind? It is the very same thing we find in the life of Jesus. Think about it. When Jesus left the very throne room of heaven, came down the stairway of heaven, if you will, entered into planet earth was he not embracing the value of brokenness when he allowed the sins of the world beloved that would be your sins and that would be mine to crucify him on a cross to to allow him to be lifted up on a cross as a spectacle with a crown of thorns crushed upon his head and spikes in his hands and his feet and a spear in his side, what was he doing? He was embracing brokenness to save you, to save me. Do we not see from him on the cross, do we not see the value of total Dependence. Dependence upon the Heavenly Father. When he yelled out to the top of his lungs, do you remember it? My God, my God. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Total dependence. Do we not see from Jesus on the cross, come on, unconditional obedience. The Father sent me, so I go. Read the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they all say in different ways that Jesus fixed his eyes on the cross unconditional obedience even through the Via Della Rosa all the suffering, all the pain, all the heartache all to save you it was unconditional obedience and on the night before he was crucified he took the bread he said take eat this is my body which is broken for you when the supper was over he took the cup he said this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of your sins take drink in remembrance of me God provided for Elijah bread And meat and water in the brook and met his every needs. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, before he was crucified for you, where he was going to meet our deepest needs, the forgiveness of sin, he said, I want to provide a meal for you. It's called the Lord's Supper if you're new to church. It's called Holy Communion. It's a piece of bread, it's a cup of juice. Symbolically representing for us the body, the blood of Christ. You're invited to receive today. As you and I come to this table, let us marvel at his brokenness and learn to embrace our own. As we come to this table, let us see his total dependence upon his Father. And let us become totally dependent upon our Lord. As we come to this table before, let us remember his unconditional obedience. And let us commit to go forth and do the same. The table is prepared. You are invited to come. Receive. And as the psalmist would declare, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? Pray with me, please. Father thank you thank you for this sacred meal thank you for this teaching that comes right from this text of Elijah God I pray that as we come to this table you would meet us here you promised that you would God your spirit is moving in this place today and we simply want to have your will be done Father I pray that Today, this Holy Communion feast would take on profound significance when it comes to brokenness, dependence, and obedience. Thank you, Jesus, for modeling that for us. God, I pray for every single person who will receive today. May those who came to this place knowing you and having been born again, may they feast upon you and leave this table transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, for those who are here today and they came to this place not even sure they know you, not even sure they have experienced what the Bible calls being born again, Father, I pray that this sacrament would actually be a transforming sacrament. I pray that every young person, every man, every woman, every child, every student would know that by receiving this bread and this cup, we can receive you as Lord and Savior. that in the same way that we take a simple piece of bread and a cup of juice and we internally digest them, God, may we internally receive you today. Praying, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I am a sinner and I need you to be my Savior. I receive you as Lord today. You are my master. I will follow you from this day forward. Thank you for saving my life. I give you mine today. God, we pray this together in the strong and powerful, triumphant name of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen and amen. The body of Christ, broken for you. The blood of Christ, shed for you. The ushers will lead you. You will either come forward or back. The same is true at our campuses. We love you guys. We're praying for you. And we count it a joy to celebrate this sacrament with you. Even in different environments. The table is prepared. You're invited to come. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.NewHopeNC.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. May God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.